Welcome to Quantum Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Mathematician Ben Green of the University of Oxford has made a major stride toward understanding a nearly 100-year-old combinatorics problem. He's shown that a well-known recent conjecture is not only wrong, but spectacularly wrong, as Andrew Granville of the University of Montreal put it. The new paper demonstrates how to create much longer disordered strings of colored beads than mathematicians had thought possible. It extends a line of work from the 1940s that's found applications in many areas of computer science. That's next. Explore math mysteries in the quanta book, The Prime Number Conspiracy, published by the MIT Press, available now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore. Also, make sure to tell your friends about the Quanta Magazine Science Podcast and give us a positive review or follow where you listen. It helps people find this podcast. The conjecture, formulated about 17 years ago by the late mathematician Ron Graham, concerns how many red and blue beads you can string together without creating any long sequences of evenly spaced beads of a single color. You get to decide what long means for each color. The problem is one of the oldest in Ramsey theory which asks how large various mathematical objects can grow before pockets of order must emerge. The bead stringing question is easy to state, but deceptively difficult. For long strings, there are just too many bead arrangements to try one by one. Jacob Fox, a mathematician at Stanford University, says it's a tantalizing problem. He says sometimes there's these very basic-looking questions where we really don't understand almost anything. And Fox thinks this is one of those questions that really surprises a lot of people by revealing how little we understand. Mathematicians have known for nearly a century that you can't keep stringing beads indefinitely. Once you've chosen your parameters for each color, you can string only so many beads before being forced to create an evenly spaced sequence that is longer than you're willing to tolerate. As you increase the red and blue parameters, the overall number of beads you can string increases. But how quickly? In a version of the problem in which you forbid even the shortest evenly spaced blue sequences, Ron Graham speculated that a simple relationship holds. The length of the longest possible bead string is roughly the square of the red bead parameter. All the numerical data mathematicians have accumulated supports Graham's conjecture. But now, Ben Green has proved the conjecture wrong. In a 68-page paper, he's shown how to create much longer bead strings than Graham predicted. Sarah Palouse of the Institute for Advanced Studies in Princeton, New Jersey, says she was shocked when Green sent her a draft. She says it was very surprising and amazing for him to prove that it actually grows faster than any polynomial. Green's construction blends geometry and dynamical systems to fashion the disordered bead strings. Fox says it builds on an earlier bead stringing construction, which has applications in a bunch of fields. He says these are very important questions for computer science. 
It also has applications in things like matrix multiplication and cryptography. If you have a strong taste for disorder, you might prohibit any evenly spaced sequences at all in your string. It doesn't make sense to talk about evenly spaced sequences of only two beads, so you're trying to avoid sequences of three or more beads. So you can string a few beads easily, but you'll soon run into difficulties. For example, if your first six beads are red, blue, blue, red, blue, red, there's no way to continue. Stringing a blue bead puts evenly spaced beads in spots three, five, and seven. Stringing a red bead puts evenly spaced beads in spots one, four, and seven. A simple computer search shows that no matter how you start your bead string, you'll be stuck by bead nine. If you want to string more than eight beads, you have to give a little. Perhaps you decide that you're okay with evenly spaced blue sequences of fewer than five beads and red sequences of fewer than 12 beads. In 1927, Bartle Leindert van der Verden proved that for any pair of parameters you pick, there's some finite length by which you'll get stuck. These lengths are now called van der Verden numbers. Like the mathematicians who came after him, van der Verden phased this problem in terms of coloring numbers rather than stringing beads, but the two formulations are basically the same. It's hard for mathematicians to figure out precisely how the van der Verden numbers change as you change the parameters. But if you decide not to tolerate any evenly spaced blue sequences, then a pattern seems to emerge. When we fix the blue parameter at 3, we saw that if the red parameter is also 3, you'll get stuck by bead 9. Mathematicians have calculated that if the red parameter is 10, you'll get stuck by bead 97. If it's 15, you're stuck by bead 218. And if it's 20, you're stuck by bead 389. In each case, the number of beads you can string is remarkably close to the square of the red parameter. All the data collected so far fits this pattern. Sometime around 2004, Graham conjectured that the pattern continues for all values of the red parameter, which we'll call R. Within a few years, mathematicians found ways to make bead strings whose length was close to R squared, but that's not enough to prove the conjecture. It shows that you can string approximately R-squared beads without getting stuck, but it leaves open the possibility that you could continue stringing beads for much longer. When Graham told Green about the conjecture, Green's gut instinct was that it must be wrong. And I just thought this was a ridiculous conjecture to me. I mean, there were various reasons to suppose. It just didn't seem at all plausible that this could be true. And my immediate reaction when Ron Graham told it to me was I thought I could disprove it very, very, very quickly. Green thought it should be possible to disprove the conjecture using constructions developed for a related problem, one where you're trying to avoid evenly spaced blue sequences, but you don't care what the red beads do. For that problem, researchers found ways to pack in many blue beads without creating blue sequences. 
Green suspected that these abundant blue beads would disrupt any potential long red sequences, even though the bead strings hadn't been specifically designed for that purpose. I know lots of examples of sets that I can color blue, so sets that have no three-term progressions, that are so big that it seems very unlikely that they would have long red progressions in their complement. So that was my initial thought as soon as Ron Graham said this to me. But when you go away and think about it more carefully, it turns out that all of the examples that I knew, just for curious reasons, they have some particular structure, which means that in fact they do have very long red progressions. Green realized these examples wouldn't lead to an easy answer for the van der Verden problem. Green periodically returned to the problem, and he spent a while trying to prove Graham's conjecture, since he couldn't disprove it. He included it on a list of 100 unsolved problems in mathematics, writing, I now believe that the answer to this question may be affirmative. It was so striking that several different examples had this feature that I began to wonder whether, in fact, it was somehow inherent in the problem. That was what led me to repeat Ron Graham's conjecture. I mean, I, I don't think I ever felt it with any great conviction that it was true, but I did repeat it. It was more of a challenge to other people rather than any particular conviction that was true. But I certainly realized at that point it was going to be quite difficult to disprove it. Green still wasn't content to leave the problem to other mathematicians. When you have something, a conjecture that's been made, you strongly believe the conjecture is false, but all of the examples we know and all of the numerical data suggest that it's true. So I found that a very attractive situation to try and work on. I guess that was what really interested me about the problem. Green's intuition said there should be much longer disordered bead strings than Graham had predicted. If the earlier constructions couldn't disprove the conjecture, he still felt that some modification of them might work. These earlier bead strings started with a 1946 construction by Felix Berendt that relies on a basic geometric fact. Imagine using a marker to draw a blue circle on a red sheet of paper. If you connect two points on the circle with a line segment, the midpoint of the segment lies inside the circle, so it's red. These three points are evenly spaced, and they're not all blue. It's an elementary observation, but by translating points on the plane or in higher dimensions into bead locations, Behrend used this geometry as the basis for constructing bead strings with no evenly spaced blue sequences. Over the years, this construction has found a wide range of applications. David Conlon specializes in combinatorics and number theory at Caltech. Certainly Behrend's construction comes up in a surprising number of places that are disconnected or seemingly disconnected from it. There are places in graph theory where Behrens construction comes up very naturally, for example. For instance, in late 2020, it formed one of the key components in a record-breaking algorithm for multiplying matrices. To tackle the van der Verden problem, Green zeroed in on an extension of Behrens' work developed in 2008 by Michael Elkin of Ben-Gurion University of the Negev in Israel, and then adapted later that year by Green himself and Julia Wolf of the University of Cambridge. In this adaptation, we again envision drawing a blue circle, slightly thickened on a red background. This time, we picture this design as a square tile and use identical copies of the tile to fill the entire plane, 
creating a repeating pattern of blue circles on a red background. Then we envision knotting the starting end of our bead string at some point in the plane and pulling the string tight in a randomly chosen direction. This makes it lie flat on the plane, crossing the red and blue terrain unpredictably. We slide beads onto the string, choosing each bead's color to match the color at the point where the bead's center will land. Green and Wolf showed the dynamics of the string's path across the tiles will often generate bead strings that have many blue beads but no evenly spaced blue sequences. The problem with this construction, from the point of view of the Vanderveerd in question, is that to prevent blue sequences from forming, the blue circles must be kept fairly small. That leaves huge expanses of red, making it impossible to string many beads without creating a long red sequence. But in the final days of 2020, while out for a leisurely walk with his wife and children, Green suddenly had an insight. What if instead of one smallish blue circle per tile, you used many minuscule circles scattered randomly? Over the following month, Green figured out that if you choose just the right size and quantity of circles and manage a few additional wrinkles, then the scattered blue circles will thoroughly disrupt the red territory without creating significant opportunities for blue sequences to form. This makes it possible to string many beads without creating any long red sequences or any blue sequences at all. Green was able to show that as the red parameter, or R, increases, the longest bead strings will eventually grow bigger than R squared. Then, as R continues to increase, the bead strings will eventually grow bigger than R cubed, and then R to the power of 4, R to the power of 5, and every higher power of R. In other words, for large values of R, the bead strings are vastly longer than Graham predicted. These jumps to higher powers of R occur only after R gets very large. This may explain why Graham was fooled in the first place. The data mathematicians have collected only goes through the first few dozen values of R. These are way too small to undergo the jumps to higher exponents. Here's Conlin again. It's a really great result, and actually, it's also a really technical and difficult result. One of the things we do a lot of is constructions and coming up with clever ideas for constructions. And this certainly has a clever idea for how to go about doing the constructions. Very non-trivial, but the analysis is <laughs> it's extraordinarily difficult. When Green posted his paper in February of last year, Conlon emailed him and told him that he's rarely surprised by results anymore, but that Green's result surprised him. The construction lives halfway between structure and randomness. There's the carefully chosen geometry of the circles, plus an assortment of random choices, the direction of the string, the size of the beads, how the circles are squashed and where they are scattered, or in the words of Green, At the totally structured end of the spectrum, you've got just an annulus. That's a totally geometric object, completely structured. At the totally random end of the spectrum, you've got just random points. And this is somehow halfway in between the two, a random union of structured objects. I'm not the first person to come up with an example that could be described as halfway in between structured and random. But I think this kind of 
example and intuition is something that probably comes up in other problems. Sarah Palouse, who specializes in number theory, says most coloring constructions in Ramsey theory lean more exclusively on randomness. But she says Green's is an insightful idea. Green's construction isn't the final word on the van der Verden problem. Just as with earlier constructions, he can't prove that there aren't significantly longer bead strings out there. Already, Zach Hunter, an Oxford undergraduate, managed to nudge the length of the bead strings upward by modifying Green's construction so the circle diameters are varied randomly. But Fox is inclined to think that Green's result may be in the same ballpark as the true van der Verden numbers. He finds it to be a satisfying answer. And he says Ron Graham, whose work this was based on, would have been very excited about this. Graham died in 2020 at age 84, seven months before Green posted his paper. Matt Karlstrom helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Erica Clarike's full article, Mathematician Hurls Structure and Disorder into Century-Old Problem, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Quanta Magazine is an editorially independent online publication supported by the Simons Foundation to enhance public understanding of science.